You're listening to Crossings Conversations from Church Divinity School of the Pacific, a show about leaders creating Christian community and sharing God's love. This is Greg Klimovitz, a collaborator with Church Divinity School of the Pacific through Learning Forte. And I'm here with Reverend Michael Barham and Reverend Stephen Hassett, parish priests who recently joined the staff of CDSP. So welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Or those that will see you walking around campus. Um, what is it that you're bringing to CDSP? What is your What is your job? What is your title, description? And what do you hope to bring into this community? My title is Director of Chapel and Campus Chaplain. And then I also teach one class for a third year ordination track students called Leadership for Ministry. So um, Director of Chapel means that I help along with a lot of other people. There's a lot of inputs into chapel function at, at the seminary. Um, and I think my role is to sort of coordinate all those inputs to make a comprehensive, cohesive, worshipful experience for people who are also learning how to lead worship as part of their seminary training. Um, so it's a learning by sharing the practice of worshiping together and reflecting on that practice uh, as an aspect of our both shared community and shared life and an occasion for the students to learn things that they may not have experienced before. Um, and then the campus chaplain piece is, as I understand it, kind of a new role for the school. And it's based on faculty and student reflections over the years that led the school to recognize that the spiritual life of the students in community doesn't necessarily take care of itself just because they're studying at seminary. So they're learning uh, deeply in the academic fields of scripture, history, theology, liturgy, and other aspects of the tradition. But they're, they've been uprooted in a way from their congregational life um, at home. And, uh, and they're in a period of transition and change and sort of being disassembled and reassembled for life in ministry. And that's a very tender time in a person's spiritual life and won't be the first time for many people, and it certainly won't be the last time for anybody going into ordained ministry. We're learning and talking all about what constitutes the skills and criteria and um, uh, kind of requirements for, for leadership in the world of working ministry. So my title is Director of Student Services and Recruitment, and that encompasses a lot, but it's looking largely at how we serve the students and how we form community outside of the classroom, not disconnected from the classroom, but those pieces of their common life outside the classroom, uh, both for residential and low residential students. It means I'm looking at things like policies and uh, supporting students who are in leadership roles, like the leadership team, president, and officers, and those pieces of, of community life you know, that happen around the table or outside the classroom and the residence. The piece that really kind of kept me interested in the position and why I think I'm here is to help the students with discernment. That there's a there's a, a shared element of work with the chaplain. Our, our work requires that we partner with each other and, and be in communication with each other and, and dream together and, and work together. But um, 
my role is less the general pastoral work and very specifically helping people do discernment work for themselves. What kind of church will I fit? What kind of church needs and can use my unique expression of the priesthood and the gifts that God has given me? And all in between. So there's a pastoral element to my job. I'm not the chaplain. But that that piece of pastoral work of helping people discern is is part of my job. So being someone the students can go to with those kinds of questions outside of the classroom. And I think that's why for both the chaplain and for, for my role, having someone who's been in the priesthood out in, in parish ministry or other kinds of ministries, um, living out the priesthood outside of seminary <laughs> is really helpful because we can, we can help with those discernment pieces and the pastoral pieces. Could you tell us briefly about who you are and your sense of call to ministry? I first started feeling called to ministry while I was growing up in Mississippi. Grew up in Meridian, Mississippi, and the Methodist Church, and experienced the call partly from within, but also largely from people just asking and talking about it. And uh, kept kept following that question, or it kept following me. Eventually went off to seminary, became Episcopalian while I was in seminary, moved out here to California afterwards and got ordained. Um, And calls keep coming, or the call keeps coming. (laughs) It's every day you wake up and hear what the call is and and follow right. I can confidently say there's a lot of people called to ministry in the Episcopal Church who either come from a different branch of the Christian tree or who have had some experience of being away from the church and then coming back later in their adulthood and finding that their return occasioned um, the discovery of this sense of call. That was true for me as well. I grew up Roman Catholic and uh, then spent some time away from the church. And as a young adult in my 20s, I moved to San Francisco. And after a period of time, found my way to a local church called St. Gregory of Nyssa, and it just so happened to be an Episcopal church. Where you served most recently, particularly lean into maybe a highlight from ministry over the, the most recent time that you have served. So I've been in parish ministry for 16 years. Uh, and for the last eight years, until about a month ago, I was serving as the rector of a church in Orinda, California, which is really the next town over from Berkeley. Uh, the church is called St. Stephen's. And uh, I think... Boy, there were a lot of highlights. I mean, it was uh, we, we packed in a lot in those eight years. And as everybody in parish ministry knows, the last couple of years have been um, especially intense. But I guess I will say a highlight for me was sort of learning on the job what distinguishes a rector's responsibilities from associates or other clergy positions. And that is like sharing responsibility for leadership of the whole organization. Um, and the, the, the real learning that you just cannot do it by yourself and you really better be looking out for and depending on the gifts and the experiences and the authority and expertise of people in the parish who have, have been around a few corners themselves and have something to offer you by way of what it means to, to, to lead an organization. And um, those were some of the, I would say, most meaningful lessons and highlights that I had was sharing that work and those responsibilities with those people who walked beside me and in some cases led me 
in my own leadership of the of the parish. I'd echo that. I, I hope I learned that <laughs> and, did, and and went beyond intellectualizing that to, to practicing it. I think um, so. I, I serve two small mission churches, mission in, in the Episcopal Church, or at least in this diocese that means that neither one can afford priests by themselves. So I serve two churches who cobbled together a, a salary for me and um, wonderful people. I think small churches just have so many of their own unique gifts and qualities. Um, and I served, so I've been in, 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 I was associate for five years in uh, St. Clements in Honolulu, Hawaii, and then came back to the, this diocese of California uh, in 2013. So almost nine years I was at these two churches in uh, Holy Family and Half Moon Bay and Good Shepherd in Belmont, who Geographically, it was a little bit of a challenge, but in terms of their personalities and their character and their quirks kind of fit together really well. Beautiful people at both churches, a lot of faith, a lot of faithfulness, and um, a lot to learn from the members in the congregation. Uh, what, I, what I found, the opposite of the, the, the first church I served, which was an endowed parish, is serving two small mission churches. There's always enough even though there never feels like there's enough. I can't tell you how many times, and then I, you know, Chaplain Stephen, you may have experienced this too at your parish, but there are so many times when I thought, how are we going to pay for this to be fixed? Or how are we going to get this program started? And I'd get a check in the mail from somebody who'd been a member 20 years ago and just, we came to their mind and they sent a little gift or somebody had some extra money for some reason and said, I just thought of the church and, um, didn't even always pray for that. Maybe I should have, and I would have gotten more, right? <laughs> but just how often we could live with what we had, really what we had was our faith, and that's enough. So that leads me to thinking about some of the questions and struggles of ministry. Is a lot of the things that are trappings of ministry, do we really need those? They're wonderful gifts um, and and, and often great resources, but sometimes they're all the trusses. So I think... I really appreciate... Oh, good. Keep Sorry. Going. Yeah, just God's abundance. Let's say another example of that is there were Sundays that I would walk into church and it was hard to have faith. Like things that were going on in my personal life, you know, that were really challenging. And I, I feel like I always had it, but there were days it was hard to hold faith. And there were days it was I would walk into church, be bopping in easily holding the faith. But one thing I learned is that on any given Sunday, no matter how small or big the congregation is, you're going to have somebody there who's kind of easily holding the faith and somebody who's really struggling. And as a community, we hold faith together for each other. And... I always found it a blessing when people showed up regardless of their doubts or their fears or whatever, they would still show up because they knew if they came there, someone would help them have faith. Someone would help them through what they were going through too. So that abundance isn't just financial. I was using that example earlier, but within the community, there's enough faith for us to do what we are called to do and to live in a community together. Wondering 
what drew you to CDSP? What led you to discern a call to, to come here? Well, I, I am a two-time CDSP alum. I, in fact, my whole entire experience of the Episcopal Church is in the Bay Area, in the Diocese of California. Um, so that, that limits me to some degree, but it also deepens and enriches, I would say, my, my appreciation for what is here, because I spent a lot of time here. Um, so I got my MDiv in 2006 and then was ordained uh, to the diaconate and then the priesthood and then was working in parish ministry and maybe about four or five years later uh, felt like I wasn't quite done with school. I think it was clear to me or what, what called me to CDSP and what, what, um, what felt to me like uh, a response of, uh, of the, between the community and some gift or desire that I have is to be uh, among people who really feel deeply committed to their own Christian discipleship. Um, there are lots of different reasons why people associate themselves with the parish church. Um, and I found myself continually wanting to organize in the parish around the kinds of things that people do uh, when they're in seminary, really gathering to study and deeply learn, frequently and regularly participate in shared worship, um, and really like kind of fearlessly examine questions of ecclesiology, mission, and identity uh, as a matter of, of personal commitment. Like, what are we doing? And how are we going to do it the best way? And the seminary is, is the environment where those kinds of things are, are on, all on the table. And, um, and I found myself uh, over those many years, and a part of the reason I think I continued to think about CDSP as a, as a place where I might, might uh, find myself was because there was a deeper correspondence between where I feel gifted uh, and have something to offer and, and the community um, of sort of fellow travelers, so to speak, that would want to share in those gifts and, and join me in the use of them. What was drawing me in this season of my life was being embedded in a single community and living in that community if possible and being present to that community. To enter into an academic community, obviously I'm a classroom student, but to enter into that conversation that happens in the community, with faculty, with students, also to be able to be in a space where I'm reflecting as I'm offering. Because every conversation I'm going to have is, is, is coming from and furthering that reflection. On the last season of my life, I find myself in uh, just to exist in this space of, as a learner and as someone who's helping those who are learning and teaching. And um, hopefully offering little nuggets of wisdom when they accidentally come off. A large part of discernment is curiosity and questions. Um, and in many ways, you could probably even say that a large part of being a parish priest is knowing what questions to ask and when. Um, and so what I'm wondering here as we kind of move through is, as a parish priest, what is a, a contemporary question that you're asking right now? maybe even phrased differently, what is a question that you believe many parish priests are asking or should be asking related to their, their ministry going forward? What I think I'm feeling and part of what drew me to this environment is a need to spend time rethinking what are the questions I need to be asking to be able to clarify what are the questions that really matter to me in relation to, to what God's 
asking of me and of all of us. But I am clear that the questions we've been asking as priests, the work we've been doing as priests, is, is facing a real reality test, right? If the pandemic didn't help us to see that, just the numbers of this in the seats and all of the challenges of institute, what we call institutional church, it is inviting us, demanding of us to ask ecclesial questions and maybe stop asking institutional questions. But for me, part of what's attracted to being here at CDSP is I, I think and I hope I'll be in a community where we are trying to grasp what are those essential questions. And faith and God's love being at the very center. One of those former jobs that I mentioned that was preparing me for ministry unbeknownst to me, because at the time I had no idea that I was headed in this way. I was working at a restaurant after college, waiting tables, and um, it was a small family-owned cafe in uh, Southern Connecticut. And the owner was uh, from Argentina and was a deeply pastoral presence in his own way. And if you've ever worked in a restaurant, you know there are these kind of peak times where just the demand surges and everybody's maxed and the kitchen is going nuts and the wait staff are coming in and out and the customers are impatient because they got a movie that they're going to go see and where's their order. And uh, during those times, you might come into the kitchen you know, with an energy of anxiety or panic uh, in your work. And the owner, whose name was Manny, was always just the calmest, most grounded person in the middle of all that busyness. And he would perceive and sense your anxiety and he would ask you, what's going to happen? Are you scared? <laughs> and somehow it always had the effect of reminding you like, oh, okay, these orders are going to get placed. The food will be prepared, delivered to the table. People will eat and be satisfied. And then it'll calm down again. And the church is going through a time of great uncertainty and its leadership and many of its parishioners, I think, uh, to me, feel like the staff of that restaurant when we all felt a little overwhelmed by the demands being placed on us. And I think maybe Manny's questions are the questions that could help us. Like, what is going to happen? Are we scared? And then I think we find that ourselves reflected in the stories of scripture when other people felt overwhelmed and like they didn't know what was going to happen and god comes and finds them and we in, in the episcopal church we haven't necessarily always owned those stories you know we've i think we've imagined a story of ourselves as um uh secure and safe and um unchanging and dependable in some ways. And we are going through changes now and there's insecurity and unsafety that might be new and unfamiliar to us, but it's not new or unfamiliar to the people of God. So I think when we think about the questions that we're, we might ask ourselves, and I'm thinking about, you know, from the parish to the seminary, what is gonna happen? Are we scared? And where can we see God leading us through those uncertainties, unsafeties and, um, and demands that make us, that, that can cause us to feel stressed out and unsure.
Um, Cause I know there's a way. There's a reason why the, the most popular refrain throughout scripture is do not be afraid. And, and I think what you're alluding to afraid, is yep. this do not be afraid is not to, to push against and dismiss any pain or hurt or angst, but to be reminded that there is a bigger right. picture, that there is a broader narrative. You know, the angelic voices don't need to come and tell us not to be exactly. afraid if we aren't I love afraid. that. Share with us what you believe is a primary challenge parish priests are encountering presently. You don't have to resolve the challenge. You can just bring it into light. <laughs> just referring back to that, you know, the um, this trend, this really like maybe unprecedented, at least in living memory, period of transformation and change in the church, which might look like loss. I think the challenge that priests in the parish face is to continue to um, be faithful for the sake of their congregations who are going through new experiences and who in their anxiety think the church might be dying when in reality it's being made new. I think in some ways the, the challenge facing a lot of clergy is the challenge facing the author of Hebrews. On the one hand, um, trying to be faithful um, and, and anchored. And on the other hand, realizing that society and the world and our religion is changing, that we have no control over that. God does, but we do not. <laughs> and so being able to see what's needed and what's coming and interpret that in a way that makes sense to people who only understand an old way so that they can enter into that new way without feeling not that they haven't sacrificed something, but that they're still connected to a, a, a thread that is transcendent beyond just this, whatever new thing is we're doing. Cause I see, I think in, in, in Hebrews, they're trying to say, look, the, the old way isn't here anymore. It's not whether we want it or not. It just isn't here. So there is, we can either sit here wishing it and not do anything about it, or we can come up with something completely new, or, or we can figure out a way that is carrying forward in our hearts what we loved and what we understood, but making sense of it in light of this new world that we're in. Good word. And that's especially hard for us Episcopal clergy because uh, you got to have at least three general conventions agree with you. What is a word of encouragement that you have for aspiring clergy and the CDSP community that you now are joining? I want to say just remember what the angels say, do not be afraid, but you know, Jesus tells us, I'm the way. We don't have to make the way. We have the way. Jesus is the way. And it, we who are called, there are many sheep of different folds. Jesus has his way of reaching them. 
But for those of us who choose to be Christians and those of us called to be clergy have to remember whose way it is we are advocating and, and teaching about and calling people to be part of. I would say um, those who go through the desolate valley will find it a place of springs. Reverend Stephen and Reverend Michael, thanks so much for joining us on Crossings Conversations. May the Lord be with you. Crossings Conversations is a co-production of Church Divinity School of the Pacific and Trinity Church Wall Street. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or share it with a colleague. You can learn more about the only Episcopal seminary on the West Coast and subscribe to Crossings Magazine at cdsp.edu. Thank you.